Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. Hello, welcome, welcome, my Riding the Change Cycle Back to School class members. And this is your freebie, amazing bonus call that you got because you signed up early. And I'm so happy that you're here. And today we are here with Nona Jordan, who is a fabulous money coach. And uh, she's my money coach. Uh, I love the saying on your website, Nona, discover the wealth within you. That makes me so very, very happy. I just popped on your website today, which is www.nonajordan.com. Um, and it was just like, oh. And that's what I felt when I worked with you was just this feeling of such peace because I think people that have, that have money issues, um, and I was certainly one of them, and they're not gone, but they're so much better since we worked together. Um, I, I think that we have this, this shame about money, about not, not taking care of our money in the way that we, we know we probably should, and we can't quite get there, and you never think to ask for help. I didn't know a money coach existed until I met you. So um, <laughs> can, you, can you say a little bit more about that? Is that kind of where you're – Clients come to you, and you know what? What is the, the the impetus for them for them calling you generally? Well, typically people. Well, you know what? There's a, a, first of all, thank you, Terry, for inviting me to have this conversation with you. Um, you're one of my very favorite people, so I'm Aww, super happy you. to be thank here you, with you thank and you. your and your folks. Um. So I would say it runs the gamut, right, from people who have lots and lots of money to people who don't have much. Um, mm. But the common thread is a feeling of scarcity. Um, yeah. And then there are kind of two different flavors of scarcity, either being super controlling with your mm -hmm. money and paying almost too much attention to it, um, and the other side of it being like, la, 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 not listening, and I'm just not going to pay attention to it. So, you know, there's sort of two flavors there. Yeah. <laughs> so really, yeah. I have a lot of people who come to me, and they fall into a, a number of different categories. But, yes, scarcity, thinking, feeling, tends to be a very common theme. Okay. And – and do you find that, and this is a loaded question because I, I, I already know the answer to it, but do you find that <laughs> people who come to you with scarcity issues on money, when you kind of clean that stuff up, does their scarcity issues in the rest of their life tend to sort of go away as well? No. Um, well, it depends. It depends on how aware you are of it. Like, okay. Um, so typically what happens is, is that you may have a, a person who feels a sense of scarcity with their money 
and they start cleaning that up, and then all of a sudden they start feeling like, oh, my God, I don't have any time. Like our ingrained uh, habits um, tend to be very wily. <laughs> yeah. And so you'll start working on something in one area, and then it'll start, Maybe it's always been there in the other area, but you start noticing it in the other area. But once you kind of start noticing how it shows up in all the areas of your life, then you can kind of start actually cleaning it up in all the areas. But, you know, like you mentioned, Terry, you know, our relationship with money isn't something that just gets fixed. (laughs) You know, money is something that we're going to be dealing with from now until the day that we die and so it really behooves us to have the kind of relationship with our money that we do with say our bodies like Mm -hmm. this is this is mine to work with in this lifetime and therefore I'm going to tend it um as 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 well as I can Mm -hmm. yeah I I love that and and you're right it doesn't go away because I know that since since we work together um, I had a strange thing happen, though, because even though um, I, I don't struggle with money anymore, and the thing that I have found since we worked together is the shame that I had around money is greatly reduced. And it's mm-hmm. just, you know, I think of it just as energy now, and that's something that you taught me. And the more, when I go to pay my bills, which used to feel incredibly heavy, the more, uh, when I go do that now, I say to myself, I'm going to go love my money for a little while. I'm going to go show my money a little love. And it feels mm. so much lighter. So even though the old habit is to think about money as, you know, this, this big monster with, with teeth and, you know, claws and um, jaws and whatnot, it, <laughs> it doesn't feel that way anymore. It feels, I mean, it's not something that I super enjoy doing, but it doesn't feel so heavy so I can I can totally speak to that. It's not fixed because it's this relationship that's a very long-term relationship, but it sure feels lighter. Oh, and isn't that just wonderful? I mean, really, it, and that's the whole point, right, is to feel yeah. good, to be at peace with how you are managing and approaching your money because everybody is going to do it a little bit differently. There's no one perfect way, even as much as, you know, maybe – Dave Ramsey or, you know, other financial experts that we see in the media might present to us like there's one way to do it and this is how it has to be done. And that's just not the case, right? Everybody's going to have a different way that they approach money. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and, and strangely enough, all, you know, all of those money managers, I would read them and it would just feel worse. Like I just like, oh God, right. I'll never get there. I can't possibly get there because I think that, and I, and I love you to speak to this a little bit because I know it was so powerful when we worked together was you, you approach it from a completely different point of view. It's not how do I organize this, you know, this, this slippery quantity. It, it's really from an energetic perspective. So can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that the the thing that's most important is what you alluded to earlier, which is this idea that we want to approach money with love. You know, money is a choice that we all collectively make, right? It's it's um, instead of carrying chickens and rocks in our back pocket for exchange mm-hmm. or 
chicken and beets or, you know, whatever it is that we might want to exchange, we all at some point in the past decided, okay, we're going to use this representation of nature to, uh, <laughs> to exchange value, right? Yeah. And so from that perspective, it is energy, right? Because trees, plants, fruits, gold, um, wood, anything that we use is just, it's a, it's a form of energy. And so basically, even our output, right, what we, the, what we put out in the world is just, it's an expression of our energy. And so when you start to look at it like that, I think one, it takes some of the personalization out of it. Um, and two, I think it makes it easier to have a relationship with it that feels a lot more peaceful. Um, I yeah. believe that that the the how you do it is is completely aligned with personal preference and yeah. how you operate. So you know I can't prescribe. I, you know I don't look at my work as being prescriptive as much as instructive. Like mm-hmm. how are you going to work with it in your own life the way that it shows up for you. Um, but that's all based on what are your thoughts about it? What are your feelings about it? Um, and how can you come into a relationship with those two things for yourself? Um, that's going to feel really good. Yeah. And, and one thing that I remember you, um, talking about when we worked together was, you know, where, where do you want to spend your money? You know, where are you spending money where it, it brings you great joy? And you said something mm-hmm. along the lines of, you know, it, it, where would your own financial heroine, you know, where, where, would, where would the hero of your financial story, what would she do? You know, and it got, it, it got me out of that feeling of being so, so small and, you know, money was, was such this big sort of um, intricate puzzle that I did not <laughs> have a solution to. <laughs> and, but when I, when I looked at it in that way, then I could, I could sort of creatively come up with some solutions. So can you speak more about what was your phrase, inner financial heroin? I can't remember. Yes. So I, I refer to people, I, I ask people to tap into their inner financial heroine. So, okay. the, and it doesn't necessarily even have to be a financial heroine. You know, people who feel really yucky about their relationship with money, it's like everybody has an area of their life that they excel. Everybody yeah. has an area of, of their life that they walk into the most chaotic situation and they're like, I've got this. You know, for some yeah. people it's relationships, some people it's their jobs. You know, we all have our zone of genius. And so we, we own that. That's ours. And so that part of us um, always knows what to do. And so if you take that part of you and you turn it towards your finances, that part of you is probably going to have a pretty damn good idea of what mm. you need to do next. Right. The other thing about that that I would add to, because part of that is also understanding that when we spend and how we earn, it's really important to align that with your values and priorities. And I think that's also what you're speaking to when you're talking about how you spend your money. Um, I think about spending 
versus investing. So mm-hmm. I like to I like to spend my money on organic food. For me, mm-hmm. that's an investment, right? I don't feel obligated to do that. I mean, <laughs> I am happy to spend the extra money because to me that that is a a strong value and a priority. Right. Um, so thinking about the way that you am I just spending money mindlessly? Am I just going to spend money because I'm trying to fill an emotional void? Am I spending money because I'm bored? Or am I actually taking a conscious look at how I'm spending my money? And is this an investment in my priorities and values? Those are the kind of choices that your inner heroine makes for you, right? So it's like taking that pause before you make a choice. Okay, well, and sometimes I spend money. Sometimes I'm like, you know, I'm going to go to Target and I'm just going to buy some stuff, you know? And that's okay. But yeah. I don't do that very much anymore. But I don't beat myself up when I do. <laughs> yeah. There's always going to be times that we do that. That, okay, but knowing I'm going to Target and I'm spending some money just because it will feel kind of soothing, right? Mm-hmm. Like eating the French fries or having a milkshake, whatever. We're going to do that. It's not mm-hmm. the end of the world either. We yeah. just want to be conscious that that's what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, have you read the the, the um, life-changing magic of tidying up? Have you read that book? I have not read that book yet. Well, there's the basically the premise of the book and she's she's it's a fascinating book. I really really enjoyed it. But the premise of the book is as you're tidying up your house, you hold whatever you're trying to decide whether to keep or to pitch. You hold it in your hand and you say, does this spark joy? And that's what just popped into my mind when you were talking about mm-hmm. going to Target. You know, yeah. if, I think if we can, we can think about investing our money in things that spark joy, then it, it's a totally different flavor. It has a, it has a totally different energy to it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just making those conscious choices. Like, because the other thing that I would say about that that I think is important to add to that conversation is that it's not really that simple because there are also choices to be made around, do I have this money to spend? Do I right. have this money to invest? Right? So there, there's also that part of the conversation, like, okay, so do I want to buy this $200 vase because it sparks joy or would it spark even more joy, would it feel like even more of an investment if I were to take that money and put it into a savings account or pay off some debt? So, you know, I think that the conversation is wider than that because we can be standing in front of something in the store and go, oh my God, this totally sparks joy. But if we're not really thinking about priorities, values, and investing our money versus spending, we can also make, we can use that, I think, to make poor choices. Yes. Well, and that kind of leads me into my next question, which was, you know, when we're talking about moms and teens, um, you know, the the, the social media, um, television, et cetera, shows teens the the Kardashians, you know, the this lifestyle that is all built on on stuff. I mean, it's 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 mm-hmm. buying stuff and it's instant gratification, and you know, teenagers lean that way anyway they're they're set they're so based in instant gratification that when they're instantly gratifying themselves with stuff 
you know, as a as a mom of a teenager, how do you how do you counteract that? What what do you say to them that you know that that sort of import I mean that shares the importance of that financial decision? Right. I, I think it's really unfortunate that we don't have more financial education for kids in school. But I think that yeah. those television shows and media is a really great opportunity for parents to be saying, what do you think about that? Like, I think yeah. that there's a lot of conversation that can happen. Although, you know, there are plenty of parents who are involved in that too. So, yes. you know, I think that if par- if parents are modeling that same kind of stuff-oriented lifestyle, um, like that's how we get our pleasure, that's what we yeah. do, we just buy things – then it's n- there's not going to be a conversation, obviously. But I think there are some things that we can do with our kids. And I have a child that's approaching teenagerhood. And we have lots of conversations about what she sees in the media. We talk right. a lot about wants versus needs. Mm-hmm. And that both of them are important. But, you know, there's also what what is the priority? Like, okay, if you spend that money, because what I do with my daughter is I give her money every month, but she's responsible for buying her wants. Okay. And she is also responsible for buying gifts. She's 10. So, you know, uh, right. this will increase as she gets older, but she's also responsible for buying gifts, you know, saving money out of her own allowance for buying gifts for my myself, for her grandparents, for her father, and for her friends. Gotcha. So she has to sort of decide, okay, is this, Am I going to have enough money? How much money do I want to have at this given time, you know, to buy this gift? You know, so she's actually got some thinking going on on a smaller scale, and she makes mistakes, and that's great. I would rather have her make mistakes now than, you know, when she's in her 20s around, you know, how she's allocating funds. And so I sit down and I help her with that. But we talk a lot about that, especially, and even when we go shopping for school supplies, mm-hmm. we talk about needs, we talk, you know, like clothes, and we talk about all that kind of stuff, like what do you really need versus what do you want, and right. um, having those open conversations and being very transparent, I think is really important um, around spending, earning, and debt. Um, yeah. Because those are yeah, three really big things that. that kids need to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what say about say more. that? I mean, I, I believe that, you know, as a society, we are really comfortable with being in debt. <laughs> like, um, I, you know, and, and I talked about this in, in, in my book, you know, when I was growing up, nobody had a new car. Nobody. Right. Nobody had a new car. And only rich people drove BMWs and Mercedes, and, and I mean really, really wealthy, full-time staff kind of rich people. And right. yet now, you know, everybody expects a new car, and my child just turned 16, and her friends were, you know, getting new cars right and left, and, and she got a used car. And um, she was absolutely fine with it, by the way, because every one of my kids has always gotten a used car. And But, you know, how do you how do you deal with that sort of expectation of, you know, you, you go to the, the high school parking lot and the students are driving much nicer cars 
worse than the teachers, you know, and then um, balancing the debt versus savings. How do you counsel your clients through that? Well, the, the thing that I tell people about debt is that I really have them think about, is it, again, an investment? So mm-hmm. and everybody's going to have a different level of comfort, right? Like, so for me, I have a zero tolerance for credit debt. I just, because anything that, I, if I can't buy it with cash, um, mm-hmm. it just needs to wait. That's all there is yeah. to it. You know, I mean, I can save money for it. That's what I teach my daughter. That's what my husband does. Right. I mean, that's just our personal value. I just do yeah. not, uh, I just have a zero tolerance because that kind of debt isn't an investment. That kind of right. debt is like a a tie to the past. And I think it makes um, moving towards what we want financially very, very difficult when we're carrying that kind of debt. Now, when you're talking about home, when you're talking, uh-huh. you know, that's a different kind of debt to me. And so I think having those conversations again with your kids, I mean, I think yeah. that's what we miss in our society is that we, because we as adults feel shame about money, we tend yeah. to not talk to our children about it. And so we pass right. on this sort of I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I'm ashamed of what we've done with money. So therefore, I'm going to go spend more money to soothe myself because I feel bad. And then yeah. we don't talk to our kids about it, right? And then we don't we don't have honest conversations. We're not being honest with ourselves, nor are we being honest with our children. And we're perpetuating these cycles of really financial irresponsibility in many ways. I mean, I think on a global scale on, in our economy, we are also doing the same thing. So this is, yeah. it's, it's endemic. You know, it's an epidemic that we're dealing with right now in our country. Um, but I think honestly dealing with your own financial issues and deciding what your personal policy is about debt and then saying, and you might have a different policy when you get older, but right, right now this is my policy. So when I have conversations, if my daughter comes to me, she's like, oh, see, this is it. My daughter's like, I want a $150 Playmobil set. And I'm like, that's not my financial priority right now. Mm. Like, if you want that, you're going to have to save for it. So right. I don't give her everything she wants, nor do I ever tell her we don't have the money for it. Because you know what? It's not true. Right. It's just not my financial priority in this moment. So right, right there, it's like, I can say no to her without engendering a feeling of scarcity. Interesting. Oh, I love that. Yeah, because it's true. If what she wanted was, in fact, my financial priority, I could Uh find the money. We all know that, right? I mean, especially at our level of income and probably the level of income of your people, right? It's about financial priorities. It's not about not having the money. Yeah. So... It's that's like, not okay, a so fi- that's financial, financial priority for me right now. That, so that's the word you use. That's not a financial priority for us right now or for me right now. I'm trying to get, you know, something for, for my people to sort of carry in their hip pocket when their kid comes to them and they start feeling like an ATM because, <laughs> can I have 20 bucks? Can I have 20 bucks? Can I have 20 bucks? You know, to to sort of bring it down to some language that they can tuck in the back of their brain, that they can bring out constantly, consistently, you know. And I love your idea of the debt being a tie to the past. I've never 
heard anyone say that before, Nona. That really resonated with me. Debt is a tied plat because it's so true. And can you say a little bit more about that? Sure. Well, usually when we buy things on a credit card, <laughs> we it's, yeah. it's a consumable, right? It's something that's consumable or we forget that we bought it. You know, when we buy a house and we have a mortgage, we're investing in a structure that's going to house our, our family, right? right? We can see it. We can touch it. We've we are improving it. We are, you know, maybe, maybe not. Maybe we're destroying it. Who knows? But it is something that we are, it's tangible. Usually when we're buying things on credit, it's just garbage. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just like, oh, let's go out to dinner. Oh, let's do, you know, it's not, at least for me, I know that that was true. And when I sat down and I, I am a big fan of like, okay, money, like I will sit down and I will have meditations with money. And that mm. it was like, that's why credit debt feels so crappy to me personally, because mm-hmm. it is typically things that are mindlessly, like it's mindless purchases or it's um, dinners out or it's, you know, whatever. That's what my debt tended to be, like little yeah. piddly stuff yeah. that, didn't amount to an investment in something that brought me joy. Let's use that that word because you used okay. that earlier. It, yeah. It wasn't that, right? And so for me, you know, now don't get me wrong, we do use credit cards because we have miles, but it's always something sure. that I've already budgeted for. You know, it's like, gotcha. okay, well, I'm going to put this purchase, like right now we're in the middle of a move. So it's like, okay, well, I'm buying all this stuff, so I'm going to put it on this particular card, but I've got the money, mm-hmm. so then I'm going to pay it off at the end of the month. Right. So right, we still use and that's vastly different than right. putting something on a credit card and paying it off sometimes. Exactly, or paying the minimum payment, yeah. which is just like sucking the life force out of you one tiny drip at a time, right? Right, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and so that, exactly and that's a like. tough thing as well, right? Is getting, and I think if we understand and we we really get how difficult it is to get out of that cycle and I speak about this from personal experience you know because I have twice in my life gotten out of pretty significant amounts of credit debt that Mm -hmm. felt awful it was really terrible and very difficult right because there are choices again that have to be made with the money you have because typically you're using all the money you have Plus, you're using credit. <laughs> you know, that's yes. usually how it ends up going for people. And so it's tremendously difficult to get out of that cycle. It can feel very deprived. Um, and I remember sitting down and talking with Clara about it, being like, this is really hard. But right now, I'm really focused on paying off this debt. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not going to be doing these things. Because right yeah. now, the financial priority is paying this off. And what that did is it helped me remember that this wasn't about scarcity, that there is more than enough money. And I would right. look at how much money I was going to have once I paid the debt off. Because the ridiculous thing was it was like half of the money that we yeah. brought in on any given month was going to service debt, which was insane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? So, you know, it was, yes, it's a very short period of time, but having those conversations with Claire, it's like, yeah, we made some financial decisions that now we need to go ahead and, 
and pay this off. And so she understood what was going on when I was like, right now, that's not the financial priority. We're yeah. spending our money here. So what else right. could we do without money? <laughs> that right. Just as- I love that. So, so for, for parents, I had one parent that sent in a question that I just, I, I loved it because I, I could feel the, you know, the, the energetic drain that this question had for her. And basically what she said was she grew up in a, in a family of, of scarcity, very, very little money. And she didn't want her daughter to ever feel like that. So she feels like she's probably gone completely the other direction because her daughter has no concept of money, of, of spending money, of saving money. She doesn't have a concept of it. So is there something that you could tell her to start, you know, perhaps start something with her daughter, start a communication around money that, that brings it, because it sounds like you, your family has a real team effort, you know, a, a team approach to money. And that's, that's how, that's how my family is as well. I mean, we have kind of a team approach mm-hmm. to everything. Like we're all in this together, guys. It's not me saying no to okay. you. It's me saying, gosh, this doesn't work for us, like as a team. So can you give a little bit of language around that that perhaps this mom and other moms could use with their teenagers? Well, you know, the two things that come to mind right away, and obviously not knowing the ins and outs of the situation is one. Sure. I'm guessing that this mother is perpetuating her own feeling of scarcity by continuously giving to her daughter. Yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, she's probably feeling like she's constantly not maybe having enough. I could be wrong. But, like, she's just having to give, 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 give because she wants to, like, create this bubble around her yeah. daughter. Yeah, so, bubble of safety. You know, yes, I, and I did the same thing. So I, I think we could just talk about me. Yes, that is right on. <laughs> yeah. See, okay, so perfect. So the first thing is, is to, again, understand your own, like, wow, how am I perpetuating this same level of scarcity for myself? Because the thing is, is that, one, you're not really doing your children any favors, right? Mm. Your daughter or our daughters or our children are going to grow up. And if they have no concept of earning, spending, saving, investing, that is actually, I think, really irresponsible of us as parents. Yeah. Because then these people go out and guess what's going to happen? She's going to have no idea how, yes. to, how to do any of that. And then she's going to be like, what, what happened? Like, what, right. why isn't there an endless supply of money? And then guess what? She's going to keep going back to mom. Right. So really, it's like, okay, you know what? It's time for her. It's just time for her to learn about this. But I think yeah. the key first is for the mom to do some money healing. And yeah. I think if the mom is able to do some money healing, then she is going to be able to start setting appropriate boundaries with her daughter and have honest conversations with her daughter about what's going on. Right. Right. And you recommend for, um, so we're, we're talking mostly preteens and teens, you recommend a, a fixed amount of money that the child themselves manages, whatever so often. Do you do it once a week or twice a month or how, how do you guys do it? I typically give my daughter money at the beginning of the month, mainly okay. because I do not carry cash. 
So, you know, it's like I just know that at the beginning of the month I'm going to have to go get some cash. Um, So, yes, I do it once a month, Um, although I have read there are some really interesting models, you know, people who average out how much kids spend on clothing, how much they spend on gifts. And they just give them the money up front at the beginning of the year and the kids have to manage it. Now, I wouldn't recommend that for right. somebody who hasn't, you know, Had been any. sort of working with their child. Right. Um, but I think that starting to do that is a really, really good idea. Just starting to introduce your child to the idea of wants and needs, right. priorities, you know, and not saying, we yeah. don't have the money for this. It's like, right. Oh, Harry, gave you $40 this month and that's what you get. Yes. You know, yeah. I'm sorry that you didn't manage that. You know, if you if you would like to do some extra chores or maybe there are some things that you can do to earn some extra money. Yeah. And I think that's really fair because guess what? That's what happens in the real world. <laughs> right. When they get right. older, you know, if you run out of money, you have to go earn it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and yeah, that, because and that, I think that we really have to get this through our, our – goal as parents, because I think we've, many of us who are in our 40s in particular, who maybe grew up in households with um, parents who are depression era or who had depression era mm-hmm. grandparents, really have to understand that we don't do our children any favors by giving them everything that they want. Yes. Yes, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I ha- we have a rule in our house that, you know, it's, we used to have a, a family business that they could start work at 14. So they could start earning their own money at 14. Um, can't do that anymore. It's, six, you know, 16, 15s on some, on some jobs. But really, so that it, I'm not hauling them around at 16, they're, they're going to get a job. But they know that they're expected to get a job when they turn 16 if they want extra spending money over and above you know, the allowance. And um, so is there a way, and and that's, I I always take it back to family values. You know, what is our family value? Our family value is that we work, you know, because then when Mm -hmm. they get out in the workplace, they're used to it. They understand that, you know, we we need to work for our money. And if we don't have enough at the end, then we're going to have to find another way to, to make some. So give them some autonomy, when it comes to finances, I think is really important. Do you have a recommendation, and we're about out of time here, but do you have a recommendation as to what age you start doing that, giving them an allowance and, and that sort of autonomy and responsibility for their own money? Boy, I, you know what? I have read recently that it can, it can start as young as seven. I mean, really, really I, it is amazing. Like, and I cannot remember the title of the book. It's on its way to Africa. So I'm so sorry. I cannot think of the name. If I think of it, I will send it to you. It has something okay. to do with not raising children who are entitled, but okay. I don't remember the name of it. But I mean, you can really start as early as you want. But I think the key, if you don't want to instill a sense of scarcity, is this whole idea of like knowing your own financial priorities and values and boundaries. And just yeah. being very clear with your children yeah. about, you know, your financial priorities versus their financial priorities and that they are perfectly entitled to have yeah. financial priorities that are different to yeah. you and it's their responsibility to earn that money. 
That's, I love that. I absolutely love that. Okay, so if my people want to get a hold of you, how can they get a hold of you? Well, they can find me at nonajordan.com. Um, okay. And there's a do-it-yourself, get-right-with-money program that lives on there, and it is a fabulous um, kind of self-paced program to get yourself right with money. And for people who are good at doing self-paced stuff, I, it's a great program. Um, now, I'm not a self-paced person. I'm more of like a work with people one-on-one. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, but I know that there are people who will actually show up and follow through. Also, coming this fall is a new program called Money Ninja, <laughs> which Ooh. is going to be about unleashing your financial badass. So, awesome. you know, if somebody wants to be on the list for that, um, they can just email me. Awesome. So. And that in your email address is Nona at NonaJordan.com? It is Nona at NonaJordan.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Nona. This has been amazing as usual. And, uh, and I just wanted to tell you that, you know, the way that you helped me has really kind of um, trickled down. <laughs> I want to talk about economics. Trickle down theory has trickled <laughs> down to my daughters. And my eldest is doing, she has such a great relationship with money. She has more in her savings account than I had probably 10 years ago at 24. Wow. So she is a, she's, she is her own financial heroine and I just, and I, and I love it. And I thank you oh. so much for everything you did for me and thank you for being here today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Carrie. And that's just so great to hear. I mean, that's really the heart of it, right? When we start doing our own money work and we get so we start getting healthy with our money, then it absolutely ripples out to our children, yeah. our families, and our communities. And then we're really leaving a powerful legacy for our girls. So thank you so much. Thank you, dear, for helping us with our girl power because that is financial power is so powerful. So um, <laughs> yes, I appreciate you being here, and we will talk to you soon. And I'm hoping to send lots of people your way to be financial, to be money ninjas, because I just love that. (laughs) Thank you so much, Terry. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Nona. Bye. Mm -hmm. Bye Bye-bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.